Hello everyone. Uh, my name is Tom Stocks. Um, I'm the sort of creative talent program manager um, here at Creative Youth. Um, I'm really excited that we're here back um, doing our webinars and stuff. Um, I go by the my pronouns are he him. Um, I'm wearing glasses, a blue hat, um, and a Polaroid jumper as well. For anyone who has any sort of visibility needs as well. Um, but yeah, the Creative Talent Program um, has been uh, just been a huge success recently. Uh, we've got a lot of press around it. We've got um, you know our, our artists that we are supporting at the moment as well. Uh, are really coming along with their projects. But just a little bit about the Creative Talent Program um, is we uh, there's loads of strands to it uh, the main strand is we support three uh, artists slash companies um throughout uh, uh one a one-year program and we give their mentorship we give them um we give them funding and we also give them sort of workshops business workshops as well but alongside that strand uh, we set up uh, so you want to work in the arts um which is something that we will been doing for a, a little while now it started in the festival which is fused international and it's carried over into these webinars uh, which are us basically making these amazing conversations about things that need to be discussed in the arts and not trying to shy away from uh, sort of difficult conversations that need to be had uh, like tonight's conversation uh, we've also done things like um, Black History Month in terms of what's not taught in schools. We've done Breaking Stigma with Mental Health. Um, we've done Asian representation in film, TV, and just the arts in general. Loads of different stuff. If you want to catch up on any of that, um, I'll put a link in later where you can uh, catch up on any of our webinars that you have previously. But without further ado, you don't want to hear me waffling on. Uh, let me introduce you to all of your amazing um sort of guests this evening. Uh, we've got Michelle Payne here, who's going to be your host. Uh, we've also got Tabby Lam, Yushiku and Emmy. Uh, so I'll hand it over to you, Michelle, who's going to be your host this evening. Thank you very much. Yay! Hello, everybody. Look at all these lovely faces. Um, hi, everybody. I am Michelle Payne, pronouns she, her. I am a playwright and director with ADHD. I am early 30s, however, that is very difficult to believe, I promise you. I probably look not today over 29. Um, and I've got blue eyes, long, blondy, brownie hair, lots of highlights, white t-shirt with Billie Eilish, graffitied in neon green and orange. Um, and I will pass over to Emmy. Hello everyone, I'm Emmy. Most people know me as MEP. I am a writer, spoken word artist, and I have ADHD. I'm early 30s and I have very messy hair and I'm wearing a denim shirt today. She, her pronouns, don't know if I said that. Cool, and let's hear from Tabby. Hey everyone, I'm Tabby. I am an autistic writer, director, performer, general dog's body around theatre and the arts. I am also in my early 30s, though you'll probably believe it from me. I have curly grey hair and I'm wearing a top with like hearts all over it and I have green glasses. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to be here. Yay, thanks Tabby. I'm passing to Yushiku. Hello, I'm Yushiku. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Um, I am a multidisciplinary artist and writer from Manchester um, and I'm currently working on a project called Unmasked which challenges language around artistic identity and artistic authenticity through comedy, hip-hop, theatrical monologue and there's also an exhibition alongside it as well. Um, I am 
a white male with curly brown hair and I'm wearing a grey uh, sweatshirt type thing because it is absolutely freezing in the north. Amazing, thank you so much. Okay, so we've got, we've got some questions here that uh, I would love to chat through. Um, and the first thing is, uh, I was quite a late diagnosis to the neurodiverse, team neurodiverse, lots of people nodding their heads. Um, and I, I am gonna ask uh, all of you, how did you realize you were neurodiverse and how has that affected your journey into the arts? Because um, I, I know for, for a fact, I was diagnosed with like anything else before, <laughs> before this, <laughs> this was a, a thing of, of uh, before realizing what it was. And again, I'd, I'd worked quite consistently before, uh, before, before I was diagnosed officially. And I have been diagnosed officially now, um, but for ages was self-diagnosing because I didn't know how to get a diagnosis. Cool. So how did we realize, obviously, why have we put loads of like um, neurodiverse people trying to ask each other questions? I'm just going off on a tangent already. Please keep me on I track. Was just, I was about to dive in and I was like, wait, are we meant to be doing this? I don't know what I'm meant to be doing. Oh my God, ADHD and brain, what's happening? Um, I, I would say that I think your story is very common for a lot of people in our industry, especially for women, queer people, people of colour, people who are less likely to be diagnosed younger because we're just told that we're a problem instead. So I am currently still self-diagnosing and still waiting for any sort of actual diagnoses of things because the NHS is at its breaking point and it was 100% um, extended time in lockdown that made me realise, oh, my brain works very differently to other people and suddenly being relieved that I wasn't surrounded by noise and people all the time. I'm being like, oh, maybe I'm not an extrovert. Maybe all of that stuff really stresses me out and I've been masking for years, who knew? Um, so that's very much me. I'm still little, little baby neurodiverse kid trying to figure it out as I go along and work out from wonderful people like you, Michelle, who are very open about your journeys and stuff on Twitter so that I can steel coping techniques and different working mechanisms and things yeah and that's it oh no like oh no <laughs> who knows how we cope but we'll work it out we'll work it out together that's that's really fair I think that's it that's exactly really weirdly it was the start of lockdown where it went quiet and I, yeah I think it's 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 things like not realizing that you like that other people don't hear constant like noise during the day people just don't hear that like that that really threw me. But uh, Emmy, tell us about how you realised you were neurodiverse. Um, so for me, it was a, um, a process that started quite early on, but it just didn't get a resolution until much later. So I suppose that my behaviour and my personality became more of an issue in a public setting as I was growing up. So as soon as I hit puberty, it was very very noticeable that I was different to my peers. Uh, I was highly emotional, um, couldn't control my emotions at all, um, appeared very extroverted, but actually hated the outside noise, um, very forgetful, very disorganised, terrible timekeeping, addictive patterns with food, alcohol, everything. I mean, the list goes on. All of those things happening from sort of 13, 14. And 
I was going to my GP and my mum took me to my GP and said, I'm really concerned. And they said, oh, it's probably an age thing. It's probably puberty. Come back in a few years and see how she is. Well, of course, nothing had really changed. So coming back and then coming back as, as a bit more of an adult and saying these are still my issues and being misdiagnosed with depression and anxiety and bipolar at one point, everything but ADHD, which was quite obvious to me and to the people around me finally got a diagnosis when I was in my 27 I believe so long old time after it, it was first flagged up um but the, I mean the positive of that is being hugely creative and and that being a, a real sort of hyper focus for me and and loving talking about the arts and and that giving me the confidence to to do it in the first place I think and having that as an outlet yeah, thanks, Amy. I think that, that is worth saying at this point as well, that like all of these uh, symptoms can uh, appear differently in different people as well. And I think which is which makes it tricky to diagnose. And like we were, we, well, we've all spoken about like masking, um, like where you cover up what you're, how you're actually wanting to act and how you're actually feeling. And you mask it to be like, oh, I'm really together. I don't want to be called irresponsible. I don't want to be called lazy. I don't. And so we mask constantly. Um, but Yushiku, talk to me. And I, oh, sorry, I should say as well, because I know Tom might be clock watching. I'm not going to ask every single one of you all of these questions, but I think this one is really important. So I am going to ask everyone this question. Um, so Yushiku, what, uh, how did you realise you were neurodiverse? So I was diagnosed with dyspraxia when I was a kid, probably like single digits, to be honest. Uh, so soon, I can't remember the exact time. <laughs> Seems like it always had been. But uh, it wasn't until 2009 that I first heard the term neurodivergent or neurodiverse. Um, there was someone else in the kind of uh, creative scene in Manchester uh, called Janet, and um, she had a group, Dyspraxia Manchester, Oh no, it was neurodiversity in Manchester, that was it. Um, and she was dyspraxic, and that kind of brought me into the wider community a little bit. Um, and then it wasn't until 2017 that I was diagnosed with autism. So that was like late diagnosis, 28 years old. <laughs> yeah. And isn't it weird how they, like, a lot of these neurodiverse things, like, link? Like I, th I think of how um, I had anorexia for, and still do suffer with it. Still, the voice is still at the back of my head. I haven't quite conquered it, but um, that like for ages, my anorexia like defined who I was. And actually I think if it, if it had been worked out sooner that I had ADHD, again, it's that addiction, it's that, it's that masking, it's all of that, that it was the reason I controlled my food. And I think maybe if we'd have <laughs> sussed that I had ADHD first, the anorexia might have been, I don't know, might have been caught earlier. I, I, I don't know. That's just something you can't change it. But just it is funny, isn't it, how it links to other things? Like I think um, the neurodiversity bubble, um, I don't know about you guys, but I do suffer with like um, a lot of dyslexia around numbers, like around spreadsheets and numbers. My numbers jump about um, quite frequently. And I think, yeah, it's weird that they're all sort of linked, get a little, little bit of something else. Um, again, not a scientific fact. I would like to state here, I'm not a scientist. So um, I'm really sorry if that's not true. There's definitely doctors in there. I remember still, though, Michelle, one of my earliest memories of like knowing my brain works slightly different was 
Um, I used to draw my number fives back to front when I was in primary school. Oh, and wow. that was because in my mind, number five, um, it sounds really weird when I say it out loud, but number five had the texture of sandpaper if I drew it the wrong way, if I drew it the right way round. And now I still have weird things about textures with my food and with like what I can eat and things like that, which is all supposedly linked to my dyspraxia. Um, and it all goes back to like these tiny little things that could mean nothing, but could be like little symptoms. And it's, yeah, it's really interesting when you look back on things. Yeah, I think, and is it like, if you ever shared those facts with people, right? I used to share things like that. Like mine's kiwi, like kiwi, like the texture of kiwi. I can't, just can't, just can't abide it. But like when you share things like that. Uh, Have you ever noticed that the taste of airwaves is exactly the same as the smell of Vicks Vaporwolf. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, facts. Cold <laughs> facts. <laughs> but this is the thing. When you say things like that, right, usually the people we're surrounding ourselves with enable it because they are probably also neurodiverse. <laughs> so, like, we're all just in a circle of enabling each other and thinking it's normal. <laughs> but, yeah, no, yeah, that is, that is hilarious. So, so we do need to move on with questions. I'm sorry, Tom, I'm sorry. Okay, so two, oh, I find this really difficult still. And with us all with late diagnosis, I think this, this might be a hard question to answer, but let's all have like one thing, maybe. Let's all pick one thing that we communicate. So sorry, the question is, how would you communicate your needs to an employer when involved in a project? So I think, I think there's sort of two questions in this, in that like, it took me ages to work out and I still don't 100% know what my needs are. Um, so the thing that works for me is when I get an interview is to ask for the questions written down. <laughs> Obviously, it's, it's working really well this evening, um, but I have the questions written down so that I because, again, I get distracted and go off task. So if I have the questions written in front of me, I can keep looking back to it and make sure that I don't start talking about like my nan's goldfish in 2007, just to have that written down. Um, but yes, let's go. Uh, Yushiku, what is your, how do you communicate your needs to your employer when involved in a project? Um, I've been quite lucky that, like, in recent terms, it's been someone that's been taken care of uh, from a neurodiversity standpoint. And then earlier, when I was kind of low income, uh, first getting involved in the arts after homelessness, it was, uh, they had like the kind of, financial access packages at contact at the time um, through being involved in the Young Actors Company. So in different times, I've benefited from different access points. But I, I think within the arts, I've been quite lucky that there's always been that accessibility um, for me in one way or another. But uh, in the wider world, that hasn't really always been the case. <laughs> yeah, no, very uh, anti... Um... <coughs> very anti it is it's just very ableist let's uh emmy what's yours what's your tips and tricks i think as well and, and another thing to point out is I, I don't know about you guys but a massive thing for me is i do have trouble communicating how i feel and the real fear about staying what i think oh what are people what are people gonna say what if they don't like me if i say it the wrong way i don't want to come across like i'm being aggressive and because especially I can feel like I'm quite passionate about something and I don't ever want someone to and and it's that overthinking and for me that 
the very beginning, even the idea of communicating what my needs are to an employer or someone I'm working with or a job I'm on, that's a massive fear in itself. Um, for me, the one thing that I've always um, said, because it's something that really helps me, is I notice that I always need to be busy with my hands, always. So a big habit for me is I still suck my thumb from time to time. I bite my nails. If I'm not doing that, I'm fiddling with something. A lot of the time I'm on my phone, even when I'm not actually doing anything on my phone, it's just having it in my hand. Yeah. And, um, you know, someone I've worked for before, I, I did say, you know, I don't want it to look like I'm constantly distracted. I am present. I am listening. I am passionate about this. But if it looks like I'm somewhere else, chances are I'm not somewhere else. I'm just needing that to focus. So yeah. that was a big one for me. Yeah, that's I we we recently, Emmy and I recently wrote a musical together. And there was a day that when you were talking about being uh passionate and not angry <laughs> do you remember the day we had a meeting we so we had a meeting with the producing team and we had we there was like a casting conflict that emmy and myself wanted the same person and producers wanted someone different and we were so worried that <laughs> to like fight for this person that we'd be like we want this person <laughs> and it and it feel so we we drafted we had a zoom meeting the two of us and drafted out exactly what we were going to say and then checked each other's notes just to make sure that we could be coherent and again I think as women as well right it's that like oh you're being you're being irrational or you're being you know you're you're, you're like being aggressive like feisty women and like emotional hysterical women I think that was yeah that was a real concern of both of ours that we weren't coming across that we wanted to get our points across basically without being told we were hysterical and be taken I, seriously. I think I think as well so to jump in there I think as well that a big thing of you know being neurodiverse is that fear of being misunderstood yeah, because yeah. you spend so much of your life feeling misunderstood that when it comes to something that maybe isn't even conflict that's just normal everyday conversation the fear of of not being heard or seen in the correct way for me that's a big one yeah yeah thanks Emmy. thank you for sharing um tabby communicating needs to an employer um so for me one thing that i would say i've been quite lucky with recently is i've been um, like lead artist on a few projects. So I've had a lot of people sharing their access needs with me, which has therefore helped me work out how to present my own. So I'm in the process of putting together an access rider that is just going to be the same ready that I can send over at the start of any job to be yeah. like, these are my, this is what I do. This is how I might present. These are ways to support me and these are things that aren't useful and I'm still not entirely certain what all of those things are it can be a working document but I never would have thought to do that or knew how to do that had I not had people send me their access riders and me be like "Ooh, that sounds like what like pop stars have with blue M&Ms but more <laughs> useful um, and then work it out from there so I found that really useful actually as a way of communicating with an employer just have that established right from the very beginning yeah that that is really good that I think that that is it isn't it that 
I've always felt like for an access rider, I need to be like Dennis Kelly in order to, do you know what I mean? In order to get my access rider as a, as a theatre, like writer director. But, but actually, yeah, I think it is becoming a lot more sort of mainstream to be able to put that in place, you know, upon signing a contract. Um, and again, it saves that faff, right? Halfway through a job where I don't like, on my on my last like big directing gig I cried halfway through the process and I had to explain like I'm ju- I've just got sensory overload like it's just it, we've been doing 12 hour days like I you don't need to treat me any differently this is just again I've just had sensory overload but if that had been in a rider they wouldn't <laughs> they wouldn't know workplaces should have a template for an access rider that then when you get a job offer they can send you over a template and say please attach your your access requirements so that it's not it's them asking us it's not us feeling like we're putting them out it's a pre-understood thing and they'll have their own ways of storing that information and whatever and I think a few places are doing it but more places could be need to do that yeah that's good um Yushika you've got your hand up yeah so um disabled artists networking community and also regional theatres from the young directors scheme uh, both operate with access riders um, and one thing that RTYDS also do is when we had um, our disability and neurodiversity satellite group um, we allowed to define ourselves by our own terms um, which was quite good for access. Um, it wasn't based on a diagnostic approach it was more based on how you feel and what is important for your accessibility uh, and I think that's a good thing going forward. Uh, particularly because there's areas of accessibility that go beyond um, disability. There's also, um, you know, you've got income, you've got race, uh, you've got, you know, being um, an an adult who is responsible for a child. Uh, That's another one, like, need to have access built in to all job roles going forward. That's something that we're really pushing for. Oh my god, is that it, that does sound like a dream, doesn't it? Like that does, but oh my gosh, it's so so needed. With with this question in mind, um, the lovely Natalie Chan. Hello, Natalie. She's dropped a question in the Q little Q and A box. So I think this is the right time to bring this in because it's about work, like working. Um, so Natalie says, "Hello, I'm in a middle management role, working in the arts and able-bodied. Do you have any advice on influencing upwards?" and from within to ensure organisations do what they can. Uh, For example, agreeing to share interview questions in advance with supporting neurodiverse freelancers and artists. So yeah, what what can Natalie do in the middle management position? So I I think that's the first thing, right, is to push to have access included from the off, like, again, like, (laughs) so that you've got your profile of your person and we don't have to be like, oh, plus here's an extra thing I need to give you. It's, it's something that's all already there for us to fill in. Um, anything else? I think the advantage of already being within an organisation, you will have a HR department and they'd be good to talk to about this type of thing, of just, you know, getting the correct training and getting the understanding. Because uh, I think a training on understanding accessibility alone is worth its salt. Yeah. And yeah. Make, I would say make sure that that, um, that learning disseminates throughout the company as well. It's not just the HR person who understands access, but they then train all line managers to be able to deal with people with access needs as well. 
And one thing I would also say, which is something that I only learned recently, so apologies if it sounds nitpicky, but within the question, the use of the phrase able-bodied is actually within itself ableist, and we should be using not disabled instead of able-bodied, because able-bodied implies that some bodies aren't able when they're just able in different ways. Um, and that's something I only learned recently as well. So I thought I would raise that. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. I would, yeah, I would have, yeah, that's bad, isn't it? Okay, cool. Thank you, Tabby. Every day is a school day. Uh, Emmy, anything from you for influencing upwards? How do we influence upwards? I just, I, I think we touched upon it briefly there was just training, like it, in every setting, like I've worked in schools as a music coach over the years. And even from, working in schools which you'd think would be the primary setting for all teachers to get their training on how to support neurodiverse children the the the, the requirement is actually one hour of training one hour and that's in schools so I think you know and I've been, I've had um companies and and different places reach out to me to do like a chat and but you, you know it's just almost ticking a box because then with a follow-up email nothing really gets done after that so I think training is such a big thing yeah something I'd love to throw in as well that I've been thinking about I've been talking about it a lot lately actually is that with um with my my current arts council bid I put in for to have an, a whole day paid evaluation process because why this 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 access thing, like we're all saying, like, oh, I've only just learned this recently. All of these things that we're kind of like is popping up. Sometimes you know with hindsight. So at the end of a project, for everyone to have a paid evaluation day, I've been like, oh, do you know what? I cried in week three, but I'll tell you why that was. This triggered me, this triggered me, this triggered me. So going forward, I now know that this would, this is what I need. Um, I think that's uh, yeah, like paid, 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 paid evaluation days so that the people that have experienced the project and whoever is, you know, leading on projects get to hear back from because I'd want to know, like I want to be an artistic director. I'd want to know, like I'd want to make sure that I'm approachable and inclusive. And yeah, so paid evaluation days, please, Natalie, I'll put you in charge of that uh, for the whole industry. now. <laughs> um, Great. Uh, also, the chat is really brilliant with lots of links to cool things. So make sure you save the chat before we um, log off. Just wanted to say that. OK, next question. Next question. Ah, oh, my favourite one. What are some pros of being a neurodivergent artist? What are the pros? Uh, Emmy, what are some pros? Um, pros. I would say pros for me are given the right project and, and the passion that I've got behind me, I can work fast. And yeah. um, I, I like working fast. I like, um, and that comes from hyper-focus and, and, you know, really channeling all my energy into one thing really passionately and, and knowing that I will get good results because of that. I would say another pro is, is bursting with ideas. They're not all necessarily right a lot of them not helpful but one of them tends to be a glorious one out amongst all of the colorful mindless ones so yeah I would say being bursting with ideas having extreme hyper focus and also being you know having the creativity 
and the guts to be a bit impulsive with decisions as well to say fuck it I'm just gonna try that you yeah. know and yeah. yeah that's one for me yeah, I, lo- I am. We talk about being addictive. I'm obsessed with my hyperfocus, and again, we'll talk about the cons in a minute. <laughs> but I am absolutely like I'm addicted to my projects. Like I'm absolutely you again. Emmy knows she gets the WhatsApps, but like <laughs> ideas ping, 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 bounce off the walls. And yeah, that ability to work quickly with lots and lots of inspiration is is something that I am obsessed with. Um, and I'm so so grateful that I do have and as much as the the cons that come with it that that is something I'm very 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 grateful for and um, Tabby I would just say that we often have different ideas basically our brains work in different ways so we're going to come up with different ways of telling stories and different ways of presenting stories and archetypes on stage or in our work in whatever way it is whether it's through how we're telling a story or how we're approaching a character, we're gonna be coming at it from a non-neurotypical central point of view. So we're more likely to have, yeah, I guess just varying output. And I also find my levels of empathy are, I, I always tie it into my neurodivergentness, but I think partly it's also to do with my transness, um, but like levels of empathy and, understanding for like fictional characters and stuff Mm. is quite high so that can translate really well into creating 3d characters and um well-rounded stories oh i love that yes empathy that's again something else that was like oh my god you have a really high level of empathy and i was like yeah thank you so much i cry all the time (laughs) um yushiku what are the pros um I think the kind of brutal honesty that often comes with neurodiversity definitely helps. Um, particularly when you realise there's something that you struggle with uh, because of your own neurodiversity, but then you recognise someone else being able to do something incredible. And rather than being like really arsy and being like, oh, I can't do that. You're like, you know what? Uh, someone's just showed me a script and they're a musician and they've never written a theatre script before, but actually they're really good at actioning. And I'm shit at it. So I want to point out that I know what it is, but they're fucking great at it without ever doing anything in the industry prior. Um, Sometimes like natural talent exists. And when you notice someone that's good at the technical shit, give them a boost. Um, Yeah. Because I think knowing your strengths is good, but knowing your weaknesses and being able to work with others to kind of help each other in areas of weakness and strength together is very important a big believer in collaboration yeah I, I do think that right I do genuinely believe that neuro like divergent artists are well d- neurodivergent people are absolutely drawn to each other I think about like my friendship groups and like everybody getting diagnosed <laughs> and I think oh yeah that says it says a lot that we're all mates um like of course we all are um <laughs> so with with that like what what make like what makes it what are the things that you think Oh, I could just, I could, and do you know what I've, this week, I don't know, again, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, I have to apologise because I've been kicking off to no end this week with um, a recent local theatre to me, who shall not be named, um, who have released a um, 
a new way of structuring their building, but everything was closed hires. There was no application forms. There was no open hire system. Um, and as part of my ADHD, I have this like absolute like hellbent sense of justice. Of like, well, this ain't fair. <laughs> this just ain't fair. How can they see that this ain't fair? And I, and actually, like, my values are so strong, and I am so again like passionate about like my values and making sure that like people are treated fairly and and you know that the the right things are put in the right places and people have all got a fair shot that um that yeah it's that sense of justice for me I, again I remember reading like an infographic about ADHD that was like uh you have I get told off a lot first speaking up against things like that it's like oh if Michelle you're causing a bit of trouble there and I'm like well I'm going to cause trouble because it ain't right and like, again I had a sexist production manager on one of my jobs in January um who, who called me a stupid stupid effing female director like behind my back to some student ASMs and I kicked off about that like it's just I just I will kick off if something ain't fair I will kick off um so yeah so that's that's my I guess it, it is a, a pro in the long run, probably, if I'm helping people with it. But it's a con in that I get myself in lots of trouble for I, I'm very impulsive about mouthing off. Um, Tabby, what makes it what's hard for you? <laughs> I mean, I was going to say very similar. I am also a gobby little so and so on Twitter um, and do not know when to let things go. Um, I would also say, I mean, for me, so much of this this industry is reliant on two things it's reliant on you being really really good at filling out forms <laughs> and being really really good at speaking to people one-on-one -on -one and making them remember you and like you and I'm shit at both of those things um so like forms just blow my brain completely and then whenever it's like that the networking part of it I either go like super super like high focus on networking and then just come across like a complete bitch because I'm not nice I'm just work 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 or I go in and I'm like gossiping and having the most fun and not getting any work done at all and this industry isn't set up for people who just have different understandings of like social cues and how to pick up on certain things and just the way that the language of the just the way that yeah the industry is structured you have to go through all of these certain loops and all of that and it's often from a very neurotypical setup yeah yeah you're so right the amount of times that I've been expected to know something and they're and like the people are like well we, we sort of suggested that that's and I'm literally like no with me babes you need to write it down <laughs> like I, I ain't doing it if it ain't on a bit of paper yeah. and like I'm I'm really bad with people speaking in like metaphors or speaking around the subject like I need you to be really direct with me otherwise I will not understand what you're talking about like I'm really sorry but I'm not going to get a hint if you're subtly hinting that you want me to go away just tell me to and that's fine yeah yeah I'm with you there I am with you <laughs> you Shiku yeah. What uh what make what is the bit that you find frustrating being neurodiverse? What's one of the most frustrating things? Um I would say as well it would be forms, uh, much like Tabby, but that's where having someone who's really good at accessibility is absolutely key. Um and the Arts Council allowed me to use the person that they assigned me the first time. Um again 
because oh. they were, I emailed them saying this person's really good can you use them again and they said yeah um just get their rate and then send us a quote and jobs are good in. and uh that was very useful um if, if, if there's someone who can advocate for you or write in a way that puts your thoughts across when you're not really good at all that box ticking and and form filling it can be very very useful and very helpful yeah that yeah oh they just put it in the chat but arts council have access writers to help yeah, yeah. you with your bids yeah. um which who are brilliant and arts council like covers their fee mm -hmm. um I've also recently applied for, I don't know if anyone else has this, I've recently applied for an access to work person um, to, ba to basically help me with personal finances, like once every couple of weeks, just to help me fill in um, and like my own personal budget in, because that's something I find, again, I told you numbers jump around. Um, that's something I'd find very useful. Uh, Emmy, what's frustrating for you? Um, I would say the biggest con is belief, like self-belief and self-esteem um when i think about the amount of brilliant ideas and projects that i've just sat on over the years because i've been too scared to do anything with it because of the fear of not being good enough or again feeling misunderstood and i, I suppose i know that that's a big thing with adhd rejection sensitivity and and you know even though most of the projects that i've been involved with with have been very positive it's only been a couple of things that maybe haven't gone to plan that have really affected me and and you know I really I suppose that comes with a lifetime of being told you don't really fit the mold and being the square peg in a round hole it's kind of you you get used to feeling not not good enough and even in recent projects that like even though me and you were you know working together recently a lot and there will be something where an, an idea might come up and I, I know that I can do it, but my head says, I oh, don't respond to that because that might be a stupid idea. And I hate that about myself, you know? I hate that that is, because I know I know it, but I don't know why I don't have the guts and the, and the belief to put myself forward in that way more. I hate that literally like resonates with myself and I do wonder if it's because we're masking all the time right yeah. we're worried that people are going to like find us out even though there's like not really anything to find out about except that like we are able to do all these things but we have to work really like really exhaustingly hard to yeah. communicate and to you know to appear like we're listening or to, you know like I'm really listening I'm really listening to you um so yeah I yeah that um that is something that definitely struggles that like again it's it is it's a little bit more than imposter syndrome it's it's like the next it's like the next level up from that um and the other thing is i have quite bad is the rejection sensitivity disorder disorder rsd um which, which obviously in this industry has really been helpful isn't it so um, yeah i love it i love it give me all the rejections okay let's move on four can organizations be doing better to be inclusive towards neurodivergent artists I feel like we've answered yeah, that. <laughs> um, what advice would we give to any, oh, I like this one, to any um, emerging neurodivergent artists starting out in the industry? What advice would we give them? This is a cute one. Um, Yushiku, would you like to start? Yeah. Um, 
some people will be pissed off when you speak frankly, but I'd rather have that than have fake people. And when you find real advocates, you do a lot more good work with other good people who are on your level. Find your tribe and you can't go wrong. Oh, I love that. Yeah, find your group of people, people that are going to, yeah, you're going to advocate and support each other. I love that. Um, Emmy? I would say that the best piece of advice that I always stick by and it's my mum used to say it to me all the time when I was growing up and and when I felt like I didn't you know oh, I was too much of this of too much of that my mum would always just go channel that channel that because that's clearly what what you're about clearly what you're good at so run with that ignore everything else whatever it is that is poking out for you that is whatever that is channel it and run with it and put all of your energy into that the thing that you're that makes you shine yeah that too much I'm assuming we've all had that oh you're too much you're a bit much yeah I am (laughs) I am a lot (laughs) like that's and that is yeah that's that's why I can do these things that I'm doing because that yeah that's who I am I'm giving you who I am yeah I love that Emmy thank you and Tabby um, I would say just a combination of everything that Emmy and Shiku has already said. So find your find your network, whether that's friends, whether that's other people you already know, whether it's going on Twitter and following different neurodivergent artists, connecting with neurodivergent support groups or creative networks, um, but then also accepting who you are and knowing that your differences are your superpowers. So whatever your brain does differently, utilize that to the best of your ability and remember that those little things that set you aside and they might make it harder for you to get into drama school or to go to uni and have a traditional route in but you don't have to do that to get into the arts you can do you can do it in your own way and there are artists out there who will support you to do that if you ask Mm. I think that's really fair right because out of (laughs) Out of all of us here, Yushiki, my apologies if I get this wrong, and Tabby, actually, apologies if I get this wrong. But I did like, I did like one and a half foundation courses at drama school. And a half, definitely, and and a half, and like, yeah, that traditional route in. I really, tr- I really tried. I cannot tell you how much I tried. I really tried. I put my heart, I threw my heart so in, I thought it's what I wanted to do. And, and actually, like, I've, I've had definitely, definitely, when I think of, like, some of the people I trained with, I've, wor- I've worked so much more than the ones that went on to the big schools. And like, I, know, I know that sounds horrible, but, like, it is definitely, like, the way in which you work. So don't let that stop you for ages. I thought I had to speak with an RP accent, and I thought I had to be, like, Kira Knightley, like, in order to get acting work, because I trained as an actor first. And that, oh my God, I, I wish, I wish, wish, wish someone had said to me, like, you just got to do you, hun. I wish someone had said that to me earlier because I spent so long crying because I didn't get a recall at, you know, Lambda or whatever. But I, like, and it, again, great, great if you do, but you, it's all just about making your own path, whether you go to these big schools or not. For me, definitely, it was, I loved, I loved the year training I had, but, you know, year and a half and a half, but that, um, but it was enough, like, it was definitely enough, because I knew who I was by the end of that time, Um, yeah, I think that's, that's fair to say, right? (laughs) 
conventional me- conventional methods again if if our brains ain't conventional our conventional our, we're doing this a lot I'm really sorry um but yeah uh, 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 uh cool what positive experiences have you had from organizations who made you feel supported this is a nice question have we had any it's <laughs> the question does that does anyone does anyone have one tabby I think I'm still learning with mine and it's the stuff that I have learned has been stuff that I've been able to put into practice on my own projects rather than has been pre-established things um so I'm sure that like people have whoever when I'm working if I'm going on tour or if I'm doing a show then everyone working on the show will we'll put it into the bid that everyone gets their access inclusion training as part of it. Everyone gets mental yeah. health first aid training as part of it. We extend <sighs> the hour calls for people as well. So you're not just called for like the hour of the show, but you're called for the time and you're paid for the time it takes to do your makeup, to decompress, to get into character, mm-hmm. those sorts of things that might take a bit longer. And it's about using, I guess it's about using the experience that you have um, and listening to people as well, just asking people for their access needs and then actually acting on them and making sure that that's there from the very beginning rather than as a last minute add on. If you can afford it, it's got to be built into the budget. A hundred percent. That is. Yeah. Budgets tell a story. And if if your access ain't in your budget, then you don't care because <laughs> that's your story. You like in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best sort of practice I've experienced and again I've I've not been allowed into a lot of venues so (laughs) yet I'm working my way in um but the yard gave me an amazing interview process where everything was provided and clear and there was enough time to prep um in terms of like interview again it was very very basic when I think about it but I had I maybe had like 14 interviews last year and the yard were the only ones that came forward and was like, we provide this for everyone regardless. So you don't have to ask. Um, And the Mercury Theatre have been always, 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 always been amazing to me, to be honest. The Mercury are good eggs. And if you ask them for something, they they will move heaven and earth to try and make it happen. Um, And I know that there's uh, uh, people who work in their office who are neurodiverse and they have uh, pretend deadlines so they they get their two deadlines so they have their fake deadline and their real deadline so and I need that that is something I need in my life is if I'm always like tell me it's this time or tell me it's this date because I like I'll have the draft done by then and then you can have the real thing by the proper date um so yeah fake fake deadlines are something I think that work amazing for me and like Tabby said implementing um things within a like a rehearsal room or within a project when I was working at University of Chichester, there was um, an actor who were who also had ADHD, and uh, c- couldn't hadn't quite worked out his um, his access yet either. So I was like, "Why do you think we take five minute breaks? Like every kind of 70, 75 minutes or so is because my I am sensory overload. So I need to go five minutes, get outside, have a sip of water. That's why we take the five minute breaks as well as the 15 minute tea breaks because my brain is going. So if like, let's, let's work together for what you need in terms of like that, like I know that I need that. So yeah, I guess it's the like working out 
and sometimes it's while you're in a process right which is why I think the evaluation is so important but yeah the, my five minutes are oh, do me wonders um Yushiku uh positive experiences which organizations have made you feel supported yeah so RTYDS with the self-describing access um and implementing that within the um manifestos for any individual project uh works really well um Disabled Artists Networking Community are speaking with Access to Work and Department of Work and Pensions all about accessibility uh, and the importance of not just access riders but of them speaking to each other because sometimes people aren't given the correct advice because the different departments within government don't speak to each other and don't actually know the policies that affect disabled people. Yeah. So by having a you know combined uh, in you know a, approach of getting everyone to talk to each other so everyone's all on the same page that's something that seems like common sense but uh Danka pushing for it and it's uh, you know a work in progress <laughs> yeah again that's it. It, it it does all feel like baby steps at the moment but there are there are good people doing good things in the right places so I'm glad we can highlight that thank you so much for sharing and Emmy uh positive experiences in organizations um, I would say that on the whole, um, lots of positive experiences, but then I'm also aware that a lot of the work I do is tends to be at mental health or ADHD events. So I'm also aware that that is the for, at the forefront of um, who they are and what they're about. So, um, and not necessarily a positive for me, but something I saw very recently that I thought was brilliant is um, a couple of theatres and theater companies have now started doing um, social stories um, that they are giving out to anyone who is either coming to the theatre or anyone who's coming to work with them. So literally a step-by-step -step of what to expect from the company, yeah. what a day might be like to work with those people and what your surroundings will be like, which I think is, you know, great. Yeah, that's amazing. I tell you where I've read one of them. I've read Clean Breaks for Typical Girls. Right. It was it was gorgeous. And like, oh my God, the like it had me at the bright colours. So I was like, oh, <laughs> what is this? And read the whole thing. Um, but yeah, that those packs of like, yeah, like where it's really clear of what you the Bush website as well. The Bush website is really good for like uh again, I'm from from my perspective from ADHD specific perspective it tells you like when you enter the building what you expect to see like their page of of how you access the building is is really clear and really strong um we've got a question in the chat uh and we're on the last five minutes right oops sorry 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 okay question in the chat how do you overcome the fear of rejection and motivate yourself to work on your projects when you're worried about your work not connecting with the wider public due to your neurodivergency Oh, overcome the fear of rejection. Oh, mate, I just um, really cry and tantrum. <laughs> I just, do, I feel the fear and do it anyway. And it's, it is, it's, again, there's no rhyme or reason other than just being so bloody strong willed that I think, why shouldn't I get this? Mm. You do just have to gear yourself up to that mindset. And again, like I had, I think I had 70 odd rejections last year because I counted them all. <laughs> um, but, but it's their loss mate <laughs> it's their loss uh emmy 
also I was going to say Shell like you're very similar to me in that respect that I think that and and I really took a lot from you did such a big thing about rejection and really like normalizing it and making it turn it turning it into a bit of somewhat of a positive and it's such a big thing for me like I've got stepdaughters and I and I that is especially them growing up and I see how rejection plays into everyday life and how much they don't want to do stuff based on rejection I won't do that because I won't get it or what's the point I won't and I and I hate seeing that and I think such a big thing is how do, I don't know how to word this without it sounding ridiculous but almost not celebrating the rejection but leaning into it rather than than stepping back from it mm-hmm. leaning into it and saying you know yes I've I've failed at this but what is this going to offer me yeah yeah I I mark all of my rejections so I have a rejection pot and depending Mm -hmm. on how much I've earned that year either a fiver goes into the pot for every rejection or one pound goes in for every rejection and then at the end of the year I treat myself so at the end of last year I was able to treat myself to a mini break to go away and write by the sea for a a week because that's how many rejections I had um, um, but there's there's different ways I think I've suggested that to people before and also like there is there's a level of privilege there of the amount that I can put in and the amount that I am working and the amount of ones that aren't rejections but it's still over 100 rejections a year in order to have a career that is still sustainable and still making work and yeah it was a way for me to reframe that and just make rejection something to look forward to a little bit as well yeah, I think there's a, a so that yeah that I made a hundred rejection list because there's this theory and I read it on a blog years and years ago that uh, if you you aim in a year to get a hundred rejections and but like I can't do it every year I can't do it consistently I have to do a year on year off but you do a hundred rejections and that means you've applied for enough things because there's some things on that list I wouldn't have applied for if I wasn't trying to get my hundred rejections and one of the things was an artist-led program at the Donmar Warehouse and I got I got it <laughs> and I was like there's no way I would have applied there's no way I'm God's earth I would have applied for it and that it's like laws of probability right if, if you're applying for that amount of things something will come back but that does that I mean there's a again a certain level of like stamina to fill in that amount of forms we've said that we struggle with forms fill in that amount of forms videos pitches like that's a that's a lot of uh, again that's why I have to do a year on a year off because you get like application fatigue um Yushiku pardon sorry I was just going to jump in there but she... <gasps> yeah sorry Yushiku uh fear of rejection how do you motivate yourself um I don't know I'm Mancunian we don't really get fear of rejection we just kind of get on with it <laughs> we, we too much <laughs> ourselves to worry about what someone thinks of us yeah <laughs> yeah that's it though isn't it like that's again if you, if you want to if you want to do it and you want to work like again I think for me I don't and I'm assuming we're all lovely passionate people that the need for the project exists more than my ego of rejection oh yeah like that like that that um that <laughs> I, got, I just got to stop, stop, stop. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's fine. One thing I do, like, um, I used to do it every morning, but now I've got too busy to do it every morning. So now I do it at least once a week is just 
meditating on the type of work I want to be doing, the type of people I want to be working with. Yeah. Then it's amazing how much just kind of putting it out into the universe and opening your heart and your mind to the possibility of it happening kind of increases the possibility because you're already on the energy level of, you know what, I want to collaborate, I want to meet people, and it just happens and it's awesome. Like a positive mindset definitely is a different stranger because I spent a lot of my sweaters being depressed as fuck and it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Having ah. a supportive network may, like means a difference or like above anything. Um, have a good support network. Yeah. I think that is a gorgeous note to finish on. Thank you so much, Shiko. So yeah, I think that meditating on like what you actually want. I do a lot of like stuff on post-it notes and drawing and doodling of like manifesting what I want. Also, like for those of you on Twitter or Instagram, following the right people. And if if people get like people are not aiding what, what you want to make, like what you want to put out, get rid. Someone once said to me, like your your like Twitter retweets should represent the type of artist you want to be and like I think I think that's like to have a bit of a curated like timeline of of yeah and that's your support network the type of work you want and if you know where you want to be that that that'll beat the rejection and the fear and the imposter syndrome wicked uh we've been asked to put our socials in the chat so we're gonna we're gonna drop that now thank you Tom well um, honestly, well done, guys. It was honestly it was just um, all of you just speak from the heart and uh, your experiences, I think, are really helpful for everyone. Um, I have asked them, yeah, to put their, their socials in there. Please go follow them all. They're all doing incredible things. Well um, I'm lucky enough to know most of them. Um, and, yeah, you know, just they're just doing such incredible work. Um, and I have been trying to keep up with everything they've been saying by putting all the links in the chat and stuff like that. So please go and have a look back at some of the stuff I've put in there. It's referencing what everyone's been speaking about as well. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for everyone attending. Um, I have put some today, just a bit of a feedback form. If anyone wants to put any feedback, please put it in there or email myself um, or any of the team as well. Any questions you want, uh, we can do that as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Thank you to Michelle. Thank you, Tabby. Thank you, Yushiku. And thank you, Emmy, for joining us this evening. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in as well. Uh, if you... If you've got any friends that haven't caught it, then I'll put uh, the link in the chat. We can catch up on all of our other uh, webinars as well and this one. So you can send it out to people. Um, I think it's just been such an inspiring evening as well. Um, so please send this on to anyone who you think might uh, benefit from, from this discussion as well. Um, but yeah, apart from that, thank you all so much. Um, um, yeah, Everyone, enjoy your rest of your evening. Thank you so much uh, and take care. Bye. Bye.